We are here in the Sanctum Sanctorum, the holiest of holies of brotherhood. I'm talking about the man cave, the Mike Lou kingdom. Absolutely. I'm, I'm Rob Franks. Michael Lou's here. This is all square. And we're just having a great time of fellowship as we want you to get to know us. So a little bit about me as Mike gets his cigar all toasty. My name is Robert Lee Franks III. I've been a Freemason for well over 10 years. And throughout this journey of building brotherhood and learning the principles and teachings of how to be a better man, I want to take you on that journey and show you behind the curtain a little bit of what this great fraternity known as Freemasonry is all about. And as we go down this journey, you're also going to get to know Michael Liu, a fellow craft who's been in the fraternity for almost a year. Yeah. Mike, what brought you into the fraternity? Uh, well, I went out to the, you guys had the bourbon get together. I ended up running into you. Uh, I heard about, uh, what are we, what was the event called? Bourbon and briskets. Yep. Which was amazing. And I knew uh, Adam Latham and Chase Conine, and uh, they hosted the event there. And I was prior friends to them. I really didn't know about Masonic or Masonry too much. Um, but being there and seeing the fellowship, it really made me interested on what Freemasonry was. So uh, a bit of curiosity kind of piqued my interest. That's great. You see, for our non-Masons who may be listening to the show... To join the fraternity, it's much like a worldwide college fraternity, but without the college. I mean, it's a brotherhood. It's where men from all walks of life come together and dwell and learn how to be better men into their communities, to take the philosophies and theologies of this institution, where we don't discriminate by our different religious beliefs or, or discredit us by what kind of jobs we work. We're all on the level. We're all working towards the greater good. And we learn from each other. And it's that mentorship that in my 10 years in this fraternity is what it's all about. Now, as I probably haven't said yet, I'm a master mason. That's the third degree in Freemasonry. It's actually the highest degree you can obtain. And Mike Lou is a fellow craft. That's the second degree. There's three degrees in masonry. And that terminology, which we've used in our life, we use Masonic lingo. Like, man, I really got the third degree. We're all on the level. We're all square. So, yes, Mike brings just as much influence in this fraternity with his almost year into the fraternity being a fellow craft, a student into the craft, as I do being a master mason of the craft. And I've actually had the pleasure of being able to teach him and be his master craftsman in this fraternity. So going on this journey and not only understanding the history of it and the rituals and the obligation that goes into what is this fraternity is of being a better man, I've actually been on this journey with him as he started it and he's been impressing me. So Mike, What's your opinion since joining the fraternity from being an entered apprentice, which is the first grade in base or first degree in masonry, to where you are now 
receiving that second degree in masonry as a fellow craft. Yeah, I mean, I I came into the organization, I really didn't know what to expect, and what I ended up coming into was a brotherhood of uh, all types of mentors, you know, and uh, many of these people are, um, like you say, entered apprentice, fellow craft, and master masons, and you you start uh, meeting a lot of the fellow, uh, fellow, what would you, fellows, 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 and uh, like like you're saying, you, you you begin to learn the teachings, you begin to learn on how uh, you can uh, utilize many of the tools that are are shown to you throughout the crafts. And let alone at the at the same time learning, you're, you're building a bond with fellows and, uh, you know, you come to find out quick that it's a bond that really doesn't exist out there, um, but you definitely can find it in Freemasonry. Right. You know, in today's society, in today's media, you know, everybody's at each other's throats. You know, neighbors are against neighbors. They're dividing us against these different political agendas and keeping us distracted from what we should be focusing on, which is reverence to God of whatever you believe in, your family, your country, your neighborhood, and your community. Um, I always say this, in a world where it feels like everything's trying to tear you down, Freemasons build you back up. And that's the, that is the core value of this organization. It's over 300 plus years old. Started in England in 1717 at the First Grand Lodge, United Grand Lodge of England. And it's been a worldwide phenomena, bringing men of all different races, creeds, codes, places of work together. And we want to take you on that journey so you get to see <coughs> the benefits of what it is. Because our fraternity, and you can, uh, you can agree with me on this, you know, we don't solicit membership. To yeah. be a Freemason, you have to ask. To be one, you have to ask one. You have to come in on this on your own free will and accord. Masonry, as much as the internet and all these different quasi-crazy organizations want you to believe in, they say it's a cult, men come in on their own free will and accord. And all we simply ask is, do you believe in a higher power? doesn't matter if you're a Catholic, a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Native Amer- the Native Americans believe in a, high, a great spirit, uh, a Hindu, a Buddhist. If you believe in a higher power, because, you know, this is a brotherhood of man under a fatherhood of God. I mean, tell me, you didn't know really anybody coming into this organization except for Adam Latham and Chase Conine. You and I didn't know each other. But when you went through that degree in masonry, I mean, you were trusting a bunch of strangers, correct? Tell me a little bit about your journey on that, what you can tell. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, coming in, you know, I really didn't know what to expect, but along the way, you you meet your fellow man and slowly but surely uh you start building a bond with them and yeah you know coming up i've always uh felt hard to trust people 
Um, I have agoraphobia, which is I just have a fear of leaving the house. And I was looking to get out of the house, uh, which has been really hard for me to do. But this I, is due to something in your past, yeah, correct? Yeah, something so, that caused that? Yep. Yeah. So not to dive down deep, but sure. I, ha- I had PTSD uh, in the past, um, which caused me to have agoraphobia, just like a fear of trusting, fear of leaving the house. Um, but as I grew up through uh, having that... Um, you know, I needed to find a way out. I needed to find brotherhood. I needed to get out of the house. And I was always into the mysterious arts and uh, secret societies. Not that I know that much about it, but, you know, coming into Freemasonry, I found it not to be so scary, but uh, to really find that I could begin to trust. And as you come in as an entered apprentice, you uh, slowly start building that trust with people. And as you're uh, going through the degree work and you're really uh, working with mentors, meeting up with your mentor and learning about ways of improving yourself, I learned that it helped me because I was getting out of the house and I was finally getting around people who shared some of the same beliefs and even people that don't share the same beliefs. You know, you're you're getting uh, parts of conversation from a little bit of everyone, but at the end of the day, it's really about helping you grow uh, through your Masonic journey. Yeah, yeah. that's excellent. And uh, you recently just went through the fellow craft degree, and I know that had an impactful meaning to you because it's different from the first. Because the first you're the new, you're like the newborn, right? You're that youth child. Now, being in a fellow craft, you're that young man. You already kind of know what's going on. You get to it's furthering that continual education, that light for you in this fraternity. I mean. When I came in this fraternity 10 years ago, I didn't know what it was about. I wasn't a generational mason. I was simply coming in on my own free will. I did ask my father, who's not a mason at the time, and he and I said, Dad, what is Freemasonry? He says, it's kind of like a, a fraternity just worldwide. He says, I have a lot of people who I know who are a part of it. You know, Rob, I think it's something that you need to look into. My dad's not going to lead me into a cult. So I start my background in my life was that I was working for my education at the University of Toledo. I started out, graduated from Central Catholic as a custodial, and I went into a full-time custodial job for the College of Nursing building. And as I was going, working full-time in the day and going to school at night, taking a class at a time, not accruing debt, you know, I, 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 humbling you know, coming yeah. from a private institution, working in the real world, working with people all around the community, working towards my goal of getting my degree, buying a house, buying a car. I was just cleaning one of the laboratories one day and a, a brother by the name of Dr. Michael Beechel, who I struck a friendship and we would talk. Uh, I told him I was going to be a, um, I was going to go to the University of Toledo in the fall, and I really wanted to think about rushing a fraternity and getting that brotherhood. Because, again, my educational path was a lot longer than my other friends. So my friends were going to be graduating, I or were working more, you know, getting through their degree, uh, getting through their education and their classes. And I wanted a place where I could make more friends and get to know other guys. And I didn't know how to join. I didn't understand that to be one, ask one mentality. 
So I simply asked him, I said, hey, I'm thinking about joining a college fraternity at UT. Do you recommend one, Dr. Beachel? And he says, I'm, I'm a Freemason. And I just simply said the words, wow, that is something I've always wanted to be a part of, but I just didn't know how to join. And this man didn't know me from Adam, right? I'm in custodial gear. He's in a lab jacket. Right. And he says to me, I'll never forget it. Can you come to dinner tomorrow night at my house? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I will. It, by the way, he's only a few years older than me. He says, he says, here's my address. He says, my wife will make dinner and we'll have dinner and we'll talk about it. Okay. I go to his house, meet his lovely wife, Ashley. This is just before they were married. Or no, they were married. Just recently married. We had dinner. We're getting to know him. And he pulls me into a study and he says, so you want to be a Freemason? Hmm. Why? Well, <laughs> I had history channel for my resource. Um, I'm intrigued by the mystery. I'm intrigued to buy this organization that's over 400 years or 300 years old. And I'm curious about this brotherhood. I'm a young man. I was 22 at the time. I said a lot of my friends were graduating, and I just want to be a part of something to even give back to the community. Well, I told I told him my grandfather Frank's Robert Lee Frank's the first, who's no longer with us. He was an odd fellow, which is another fraternity sect that's non Masonic. And my dad told me I should look into this, so I've been looking from nineteen to twenty two how to join. Well, he gave me a petition. He started telling me the history of it, and I filled it out. But the thing was, there my lodge meetings, Rubicon Lodge, met on the second and fourth Mondays. I worked at the time, 4 p.m. till 12 at night, Monday through Friday. So I'm like, oh, I can't even go to the meetings. They probably will reject me for that. And then I get my letter of acceptance after I go through this like interview process. They want to make sure, you know, I don't have a bad, bad record or, you know, like what's my reasons for joining. So I had people come visit me and talk to me, some past elders of the lodge, got to know them. I got accepted into Rubicon. And one thing I'll always appreciate of them is they actually did my degree work on Saturday mornings. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I go through this degree, not knowing any of these people. I'm trusting Dr. Michael Beachel, who's since then now over 10 years have been a great, a lifelong friend. I owe everything to him. And with that, um, they asked me after, so I do my degree and I, they asked me, do you have any questions? I said, brethren, I really appreciate being a part of this because I am a brother now. I promise you, when the time's right, I will be active in this lodge. I do my catechism exam work with Mike. I do. I give it back. And word perfect, everybody remembers it. And they said, well, Rob, congratulations, you got your first degree done. Oh, do you have any questions? And I said, I cannot uh, thank you guys enough for making me a part of this fraternity. 
But I promise you this, you give me every new candidate that walks through that door, I will work with them on the weekends to get them through their thing. So I became a master craftsman really early in my Masonic journey. Yeah. I mean, because I knew it. It was fresh in my head. Yeah. And it's an examination to be able to distinguish other Masons from non-Masons or people playing to be Masons. And there are fake clandestine lodges and Masons in the world. Right. I tell you what, I made all my friends that I wanted throughout that journey of teaching. And I'm going right along the steps. I'm just one degree ahead of them. And I made these friends and... I'm meeting up with people on the weekends, and I'm learning about them. And I'm like, Mike, what do you like to do for fun? Smoke cigars. <laughs> but hey, I like to smoke cigars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got a family, you got a wife, you got a kid. What are you looking for in this fraternity? I would tell people. I mean, Mike, what are you looking for in this fraternity? Honestly, the first thing that hooked me was the mysteriousness of the fraternity. So I I didn't quite know what the fraternity was. And you, you hear so many different things, especially if you're listening to TikTok or going down YouTube late at night. But, um, you know, I, I really found out just the brotherhood uh, more or less I, I didn't have many friends coming into it uh due to the agoraphobia but uh after going down the route i really have developed so many different friendships and it allows me to get out of the house and and begin to communicate and have deep discussions so that that that's was was one of the things i was always uh found to be fun is just deep conversating and in this world i don't think we have this ability to really get together and uh conversate with your fellow man but that's something that i've found and i really do hold great to my heart is just having good conversations with good people yeah absolutely that's awesome that's awesome and yeah like you and i meeting up working on your catechism together, being able to teach you that. You know, Albert Pike said, he's a famous Masonic author, somebody that you'll get to know as you continue your education and and uh, getting to your degree of masonry. Albert Pike was a famous Masonic author. He said this quote that always resonates with me, what we do for ourselves dies alone, but what we do for others lives on and remains immortal. And you know what? That's something that I really want with this podcast. I want to hear my brethren's stories. Your story must be told. My story must be told. This story of masonry and the benefits of what masonry has to offer must be told. Yeah, absolutely. Because right now we're living in a world, again, men... And I have to say this, men can't really be men in this world. And more now more than ever, I truly believe that everyone needs a friend. You know, you got guys who can't really talk about their feelings. They're feeling confused because they're seeing all these different mixed messages going on in the world. And it's this brotherhood, this safe space. Masonry isn't about these, you know, walls and beautiful buildings and stuff. Masonry is this right here. Yeah. The symbolic temple where it's a safe space for us to talk to each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Because Absolutely. we always got to feel like we got to have these walls build up. Yeah. You know? 
So, but yeah, I mean, it's, we want to convey this in this story of what Freemasonry has to offer for men. And we want to bring guests in as well as continue telling our story and how it's impacted us to be able to talk about the historical, the philosophy, the theology of it. Because masonry isn't a religion. There's no road to salvation. But I believe it's working tools, because Freemasons were what? The builders. Yeah. You get these working tools with you that will walk hand in hand with your spiritual journey. Now, you're a very spiritual guy, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you believe, tell us a little bit more about or tell us about your story of, or your thoughts on manifestation, because you're very much into the manifestation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I do have uh, quite a few stories. Uh, just growing up as a child, I always felt as if I could manifest things into my life. And, um, you know, my view on, on God and being spiritual is that I believe that... Uh, God is our universal provider and he's he's given us everything that we need when you when you look at your sight or your heart or how you feel uh to me these are have all been gifts that God has provided you so in many ways um through whether it be th our our thoughts or how we perceive the world that um your thoughts manifest your life because the universal provider is able to give you those things. So uh, many times throughout my career and uh, how I come into, uh, whether it be finding certain jobs or improving my life, I would believe that these to all be manifestations of my own thoughts. I have many good thoughts. I wake up every day and I focus on the positives. And more times than not, I feel I get blessed throughout the day through uh, having those manifestation thoughts. Is it, um, and by the way, can you pass me the um, the lighter? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You, want, um, you can pull a little closer. Pull a little closer. Okay, yeah. Perfect. So, you believe that having this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just said it to you earlier. I do it every day. It starts with an A. Affirmations. Affirmations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, you believe with these affirmations and manifesting, putting that out into the universe that you get blessed by these certain signs or, you know, gifts throughout the day? Yeah. Well, you know, I do believe that, but I, I at the same time, I, I have an underlying, I'm already blessed. So, the, the blessings are already in my life. I view life the gift of life as a blessing. I view every day that I uh, get up as a blessing. Um, really, the manifestation thoughts are sprinkles and cherries on top of an already epically blessed life. I, I literally believe the gift of life is in a blessing of awe. I mean, it, it's in as we grow and we move through life that we ex we become so used to blessings and we have this ability of normalizing the blessing. And I think that's where you begin to travel downhill a lot of times and you, you start losing hope and uh, maybe you, you carry around fear or, or dread in you. You get these pressures that build up. We, you don't have a way out. 
Um, and that starts with understanding that the gift of life was given to you at your birth. And um, like I said, from there on out, if, if you can understand that and you hold true to you are already blessed, um, you'll continually have more blessings come to you. It's like you're attracting those into your life because it's who you are as a person. Got it. Yeah. yeah getting that negativity out bringing in that positive and being that beacon of positivity out there to the world. You never know who, who there's stuff you sent me via Facebook messenger. That's really changed my day. I was having a crummy day and just because you thought of me and you sent something that really resonated with me. Absolutely. And we got to do that more. Yeah. Now oh, tell yeah. me a little bit about your tattoos on your arm and this, the geometrical pattern and all that. Cause you, yeah. you told me when you first joined that geo, geometrical patterns have uh you really enjoy them and they have a deep meaning with you yeah um well some of the tattoo honestly i got later in life um it really some of it came out from me lashing out at the world i would say uh what i mean by that you know i i was involved in a motorcycle accident Um, I wasn't able to make it to work due to that. It put, it put me out of commission for like a month and my work ended up firing me. So I lost my job. And then during that transition, I was dating a girl and she ended up leaving me and I was literally left with nothing. I lost my whole life when I was 27, 28 years old. That's kind of how I view it. And my first thought was to go out and, lash back out at my employer by getting tattoos because I knew it was something that they would see as being, why would you do that? You know, and uh, I wanted to make it known that I was not okay with people, you know, businesses that didn't really care about you or people who didn't really care about what you're going through. So it deeply hurt me. And in doing that, I wrote my story on my arm uh, you know i have a, a a tattoo of michael the archangel right so my mom named me after michael the archangel so it's me fighting these inner demons that i have and i put my story on my arm in doing so and some of the geometrical uh artwork that goes along with that i've always been fascinated by architectural designs geometrical designs i view them to be somewhat holy and somewhat perfect in in the drawing so when you see the very straight very interconnected uh lines when you talk about using the square using the compass um i've just always felt in my heart of hearts that it is of a godly design geometry it really plays an important role in our life and how it shapes everything so i really appreciate you telling that story i mean that's beautiful yeah and how you know it felt like everything was going to hell for you literally like i believe the story of job in the bible's like that where the man had everything and lost everything and kept his faith kept his belief and got everything back 10 times over you know what i mean oh yeah trust the process you yeah at that time you were lashing out but then you centered yourself absolutely yeah i i to be honest with you after i went through that i 
ended up going back to college, you know, um, before that, uh, I was a high school dropout. I ended up getting a GED and, and working small odd jobs here and there and just trying to make ends meet. And then it isn't until you've been to your darkest, deepest point that really what you, it was God realigning my life for something better. So at that moment, I went back to school. I got a degree, uh, in IT information or admin services and, um, I stuck to it and I got bigger and better jobs and I met my wife and uh, we ended up getting married two years back and uh, really life has been has I could never imagine where I am today from where I was. I mean, it, it is a night and day difference. Wow. Yeah. And only the best is yet to come. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean. It's just so cool to see you grow and over these last several months just in this organization, like you said, that agoraphobia mm-hmm. really, you know, it hasn't been as a pest. No, it, it's it been, yeah, it's been so much better. Honestly, uh, I, before the reason, one of the reasons why I really stepped out of my shell and said, I really want to be a part of masonry. I was developing deep anxiety. I, I mean, I'm talking pressure on your chest feeling like it's just clawing at you. Sure. And I had no one to talk to. I had no one to get out with and just let people know who I am as a person. And it just, when you don't get out, it just builds and builds inside you. And now since joining, you know, there's so many events that you guys have that you can get out to uh, meet people, just so many different people you can communicate with. And honestly, that's, that's played a big part in just how I feel today is I don't have that pressure on my chest. Like I did. I I honestly don't. That's, Totally, 100% beautiful. I love that. To be able to, looking for something like that to relief, get that monkey off your back, finding this organization, just by happenstance. I I truly believe it's a God thing. Mm -hmm. It's a grand architect thing. Yeah. And I remember when, yeah, all of the Masons at that bourbon and brisket event that we were at, you know, we were all over there talking to each other, all that, and you were kind of like, you know, at a distance, you know, down a little bit, and we're bringing you in over here and getting to know you, and, oh, yeah, we're part of this fraternity, the Freemasons. You were kind of quiet about it and didn't know, and, you know, we're kind of talking about it because you were intrigued because, you know, we don't really talk about it unless, you know, somebody wants to know more about it. Yeah. But you could have, you saw that band of brotherhoods right there. Oh, absolutely. And we didn't care who you were because you were over there smoking a cigar, glasses on. I think you were wearing Ohio State stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to just, to just bring you into the tribe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, then what was it? What happened after that day of the bourbon and brisket and getting to just meeting us initially? Didn't you go to a dinner? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, we, um, there was a hosting at the beer barrel where I was able to come out and, uh, actually meet many of the Rubicon members, um, which is honestly needed for them to, uh, meet you. I mean, before you end up joining uh, the fraternity, you, uh, meet with some of the members and they start, they want to figure out who you are as a person. So that they're curious and asking about you, um, hearing your story. And but it wasn't like an interrogation or anything. It was like no. an open dinner. 
No, no, it wasn't. It was absolutely not an interrogation. <laughs> it, it's it's a, just a meeting of the minds, just, you know, meeting new people. And there was no pressure on it. And um, like I said, I, I ended up meeting Juan, who was another Ended Apprentice at that time. And, you know, it's was nice meeting another Ended Apprentice there who was looking to join. And I got to hear his story and we really connected and as much as uh, many of the other guys that were there. Um, yeah. Was Tom Scott there? He Tom wasn't there at that time. Okay, Tom wasn't there at the time. Was that Tom Scott, another editor apprentice, who quickly, you know, he was joining around the time you did. And you guys actually went through the same day together. Yep. And he always holds that as such an appreciation to, and he always still talks about it. He wants to follow you right along in this journey because you guys are going through the same journey at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tom's, Tom's a great guy. Uh, and it, it has been uh, a blessing just to go out, um, break bread with him, smoke cigars, uh, go through some of the degree work with him. Um, I didn't know uh, him before coming into this, but since I've you know, gone through this with them. I mean, we've really all developed a relationship together, that that brotherly bond that we like to build. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough great things about about Tom. He's a good guy. Yeah, it is. You know, for our first, you know, I guess this would be the pilot of testing this out just to see how this is working, both with the cameras and the dynamics and the ambience of this room. Um I'm really intrigued to see what the footage is going to hold up to in this because you can feel that energy just already. I don't know about you, but I can feel that energy, that brotherhood beaming in this room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this has been a really awesome uh, test. And who knows? Maybe we'll even have to use the footage. Oh, yeah. Just did it. So, you know, it just comes out so natural. Yeah. No, it really does. Now, you, you know, your wife. Mm-hmm. You've been married for how long? Two years. So two years. She doesn't know anything about this fraternity, and she's very new into this. And you know, the I don't believe she's really been able to attend any of the events yet because there just hasn't been any to go around. That's you know, bringing the wives and significant others around. But what does she think of this being an outsider? Clearly, you guys have probably talked about this. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, we talked uh, quite a few times before coming into this. Uh, I mean, it's a mysterious journey that you're coming into at least that's how i felt and as a wife obviously she's concerned there's not that much information and many much of the information that you get out there is not truthful i mean you you hear just some of the outlandish outlandish conspiracy theories that go along with it and uh that was some of her concerns and she just cared about my well-being but she trusted me enough to know if i experienced any weird aspects of things that i you know it was comfortable comfortable enough for me to step away um but other than that she wants to see me happy and I, i i think she sees what i'm getting out of being in a masonic order right absolutely we're always here and our wives and significant others i'm single right now but all the other brethren have uh have wives who's been through this and they can always talk to her about it as well and even chase Kodine, one of our newest master masons his wife Bryn, has been uh, a part of this too so she also can give insight into it too why is it what is it about the fraternity that the outsiders 
or the people online that don't understand, why do they attack it so much? Do they fear for what they don't know? Yeah. Is it a is it a thing to where I always have this belief that you know we're taught because we're tribal people. Mm-hmm. Don't go out into the jungle. There's a, there's you know deadly animals out there. Fear the darkness. Fear that abyss. You know. And what is it? It's outsider to me. It's just outsiders looking in who, you know, they're just trained. Oh, because I don't know what it's about. It has to be a bad thing. Your thoughts? Uh yeah. I mean that that's a a good question. Mm. Excuse me. Um, you know, I I think it, at some point I was in their shoes and thinking what is this you know you hear like the illuminati and skull and bones and these secret orders and uh some of the aspects you know that i i don't know if we we go down that route but like child kidnappings or epstein's island yeah yeah yeah. um i mean i mean it becomes an iceberg right like right. You start off at these like little conspiracy theories, and then you go down to these like really deep dark holes. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Because yeah. people fear the secrecy of this organization, they automatically got to assume it just goes down to a rabbit hole to you know nine layers of Dante's Inferno. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the sky's the limit on conspiracy theories, and I think anything unknown. Um, I think many people think it's cool in the aspect of the secret order, but from there, the mind, it just goes to wherever it can go because it's a mystery. And when it's about a mystery, your mind goes so many places. I mean, it really does. Um, And people are interested. Right. And people always use it as, oh, they're hiding something. Oh, it's, it's bad. You know, mm-hmm. just because we might have phrases or modes of recognition to know one another, whether it's in light or dark, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That builds that bond. That's that sacred band that, you know, we treasure because I know if you're a Mason or you're not. Mm-hmm. I've had people, believe it or not, in my 10 years here who has come up to me because they might have saw my ring or <coughs> seen my decal on my car. And they try to play off as Masons. And then when I challenge them and they don't know what I know, I know that they're a clandestine Mason. Right. Something that you don't know about that uh, you'll learn, uh, Prince Hall is the African-American sect of Freemasonry. Doesn't mean that African-Americans can't join our Masonry. It's just its own grand lodge started by Prince Hall. That will be some kind of podcast that we do down the line when I bring, uh, when I would get Rodney onto the podcast show you'll love him yeah he's very active in prince hall but it's a that uh sect of freemasonry it's governed by its own grand lodge grand lodges are governed are basically the state body each state is independently operated there's not like the grand lodge of the united states each state has its own grand body we as the grand lodge of ohio have our own grand uh officer line who dictates stuff prince hall was developed from african-american freemasonry and they got their charter from grand lodge it's just basically the african-american sect but in their grand lodge not in their grand lodge there are other groups that you see that are clandestine that basically create base a grand lodge 
like a company mm-hmm. and then cheat people out of money, tell them they can be a 66 degree Freemason and all this other stuff. It runs more rampant in print, not inside Prince Hall Masonry, but inside other African Americans who are, cl- who are clandestining themselves. If that's even a word, mm-hmm. um, as a grand lodge, as a corporation to cheat people out of money. You right. see that. Right. That's why learning the, etiquette of the organization, understanding the tenets and the principles of this fraternity is so important because you will come with a come to a guy and see a ring and ask them the questions and you'll know if they're a real member of a of a lodge or not. So it's just it's another one of those beautiful things because masonry is is over 300 years old we keep saying. But we walk through the same steps that George Washington, Ben Franklin, Shaquille O'Neal, Brad Paisley, on and on and on and on and on, all these famous people walk through. Because we might not know each other, but we know each other. Absolutely. We go through those same steps. We go through those, quote unquote, I'm putting the the quotes, citations on each side, air quotes, (laughs) the ritual because we go through that, it's a history thing. We're going through those same steps as those men who have left our community better off. So, wow. I know, time flies. Time flies. <laughs> this has been incredible. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? I just want to say I think Rob is a great mentor. I think he fills me up with great energy, great spirit. He brought me this idea for the podcast and I I have not stopped putting energy into this. So I appreciate you coming out and I know that we're going to uh, keep putting the same amount of energy into this. And I just think this has been a great first podcast. I think it has too. I want to thank all of you who have tuned into this. I want to thank also the brethren. Uh, we were raising money on Masonic flasks and just to build up some money for items that we need for this podcast. And later on, after uh, this podcast's over, we're going to put a special page up thanking all the men who contributed to this fundraiser for this. We wanted to keep it a surprise, and I think we're on to something that's just going to be great. Not to get any a clout or any popularity, but just be here for our brethren. Yeah, And I'm looking forward to the to this story and how we're going to tell it and how we're going to tell it to all the other guests that are going to come on and continuing our journey and documenting our journey through this great thing as Freemasonry. I'm Rob Franks. That's Michael Lou. Hey. And you are all square.